0: Hey, I'm Chris Cooper. I took a 200 word blog and built a $25 million mentorship company from it. It wasn't easy, and I had to learn some huge and expensive lessons along the way. But now I'm sharing those lessons with other business coaches and mentors and high level entrepreneurs in this podcast. Want to chat with me? Go to businessisgood.com and click join the movement. We'll see you there. Hey Stephen, welcome to Business is Good. And uh, I'd like to start out with your story. Like, tell us your background growing up and stuff, and then we'll take it to your mission after that.
1: Sure. Uh, well, thanks for having me out here on the podcast. Yeah. I really appreciate it. And I follow the work you do. It's great work. Thanks, man. And for my story, well, uh, my story starts out when I was young. Uh, I was a young child. I grew up uh, for a single child till I was in my teens. And uh, being an Indigenous child growing up in because um, the, le- the residential uh, school legacy, uh, I didn't grow up with a lot of guidance so uh, I don't know who my real father is still don't you know I had a stepfather that was around with my mother um, but they were usually gone all the time so um, I grew up basically very independent one of those latchkey kids to an extreme so uh, coming home from kindergarten my biggest memory was learning the phone number to three different bars in town because I came home to an empty apartment wow. so often that's where I knew I would find my mom or somebody to, hey, when's somebody gonna come home and take take care of me? Yeah, uh, and wow. that was kindergarten. That was my lessons from kindergarten. Wow. So you can imagine what it was like growing up uh, through elementary school and, and my mom. She like I don't want to blame her for anything like that. Yeah, but sure. But she grew up in a tough life in a tough world. Um, she grew up on the reserve. Grew up in a time where Indigenous people didn't have any rights. Um, you know, indigenous people weren't allowed to hire uh, lawyers until the '70s. They weren't allowed to vote until the '60s. Uh, my mom was born in the early '60s, so she grew up with a lot of that uh, negativity in the system. So, she, and so she, she didn't learn how to love, which you know came down through me as well. And she was off chasing, you know, trying to fight her own demons, and I was kind of left to my own devices. And so we grew up in like a poor uh, situation, and that was what really got to me. Was being poor and I didn't like that and early on in an early age that's what I said in my mind I was like I don't want to be poor and I looked around and I noticed that people that were in business uh, seemed to have money so at an early age that's what I said to myself like I want to be a businessman I had no idea what that meant what that looked like Uh, I just knew a suit and a tie and going off to work every day and, and doing something out in the business world was seemed to bring home the dollars and so I, that's where i wanted to go and that's what I, I did through education it was always in my mind and i didn't don't get me wrong um uh say here and i'm doing good for myself now but uh with my growing up i didn't have a lot of that guidance so i did fall off the path and wasted some time here and there uh, I, you know, I could have done a lot more through my 20s and 30s and stuff I, I find now looking back but i always pushed myself towards education towards getting involved somehow in business later on in life and uh, that's where it's led me to today uh, so you know, I, I ended up getting educated i went through college uh, didn't work out the first time went back the second time finally graduated and then i was like hey i did pretty good in college maybe i could go to university uh, and that's when i looked into uh, the program at Algoma university for business got her enrolled and, uh, and uh, went through it and it was tough times and again I was a, a first generation everything in, in, in my family wow so a first generation person to go to college and graduate first person to graduate from university first person to buy a home off reserve Wow um, first person to open up my own business so wow. when you're doing all of that as a first generation person uh you can make some mistakes along the way yeah. without guidance right yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know I've, I've taken my lumps along the way but uh, i've gotten through it and uh, i just want to give back more now i want to share more of my story because I, I didn't realize that my story actually had some power behind it okay to help inspire other people i was just like hey i just this was my story no big deal then when you start sharing it with people they're kind of like you they're taken back a bit and then you realize, okay, uh, maybe there's something here. Maybe I should share a little bit more. And it helps too uh, personally for the healing part and the healing uh, journey to share what actually happened in, in your life, right? So I want to help show that story and inspire others too to say, hey, we all have a story. Yeah. Uh, you can let that story define you or you can use it to build up your success and as a stepping stone so one of the stories that you shared I think it was this week even
0: was about when you were a kid you dreamed of taking a trip and you thought that an exotic location might be like Sudbury right <laughs> which <laughs> is like <laughs> three—it's like a, a mining town right three yeah. hours from us and um, so did you like how did you overcome that mindset of like oh, an exotic trip is Sudbury did you have mentors or like how did you see the bigger picture
1: well it's it's basically you, you got to go through those experiences uh, to get over it um, go to Sudbury I had to go to Sudbury on my own and make a few trips to be like oh, okay this is this is what it's like yeah. and uh, this is what it takes and this is how much money it costs me to fill up my mm-hmm. gas tank and drive there and whatnot and uh, once you do it a few times you're like okay well maybe I can go down to Barrie maybe I go to Toronto uh, I've gotten this far where else can I go yeah. um, so once you, once you spread out your boundaries and get further uh, it, it really helps take down that fear um, of the unknown because that's what it is when you grow up poor your mobility is limited right um, if you want to go anywhere it usually costs you money uh, I mean you can live the nomad life if you'd like but that's not very comfortable yes uh, you know my hats off to I see people that can do that and they, they go and travel across Canada and sleep wherever and make it make a go of it and I'm like that's great but to me that's not, <laughs> that's not, not so comfortable <laughs> no how can you comfortably travel and be mobile? And that's a hard thing to do when you're poor. Mm-hmm. Um, things like a, a reliable vehicle. Yeah, maybe you have a clunker, like I had clunkers in the past that yeah, uh, um, yeah it got me around town, but I didn't trust taking it four hours you know, out of town um, and then trying to get it back. What if I break down in between and, and whatnot? Gas, maintenance, all that stuff, uh, accommodations, food. When you're poor, every little dollar adds up. Mm-hmm so i think the more that you can put your experiences out there and put yourself into those situations where where maybe you didn't have that opportunity as a younger child go and do it when you when you have it as an adult okay. uh if that's something that that means a lot to you to travel so yeah going out the Sudbury on my own was something that as a kid i thought was a big thing now it's nothing right now i want to look at going further up in places in the world and being more of an international traveler at this point in my life
0: yeah But you said that, you know, like that was one baby step and then you took a bigger step. Was it kind of the same approach that you took to education? You said you went to college and then university, etc.
1: Yes, yes, for sure. Uh, When I was in high school, like I said, I didn't have a lot of great guidance so I I, I wasted a lot of time. I didn't go to class. I cut a lot of classes back in high school and uh, I really wanted to go after being a writer. But I was, when I applied through the regular high school to the college application, I got denied because of my marks. Uh, They weren't there, so I ended up taking something that uh, was more suitable, I guess. I went into hospitality management, so I was able to get into that program. Yeah, Um, And I didn't stay in it the first time around. Um, I actually had to drop out of it, went to um, a Native Child and Family Worker program, which learned a lot, but it wasn't for me. And that's where I was like, okay, failed at that educational, run at it, then you just kind of get into the working routine and whatnot, but I was like, I gotta go back to to education and and go back to school. So I did, and I went back for hospitality management, did well, got great marks. Nice. I was like, okay, well, what's the next step now? Um, Because I wanted to really run my own business. I was getting more back into what am I gonna do for myself, what do I wanna do for business, uh, to, to get out of that cycle of poverty, right? So now that I graduated from college, that gave me some confidence in myself to say, hey, maybe I can actually succeed at the university level. Interesting. Yeah, so I remember before thinking I wasn't university material, Uh, you know, and then I had to go through college and get the good marks to kind of convince myself that university may be a good path for me. Yeah. And then I got through it. Uh, it wasn't easy being a first-generation student it, it definitely wasn't easy there was times when I wanted to quit uh, especially near the end when things were piling up but I I put it out there to one of my teachers saying I'm having problems yeah blah 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 and then I, I, I laid out everything to her I remember in this email and then the only thing she wrote back to me was like I don't know what else to tell you Steve but don't quit huh. And I was like, I just laid my heart out to this woman and that's all she's got for me is a don't quit. But, you know, actually it was all she needed to say because after that, that's all I could hear in her voice okay. through that email mm-hmm. in my head. I was like, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. So I stuck it out and uh, got through it. And okay. I was able to graduate.
0: So what, What I guess, kind of like, I don't know if it inspired is the right word, but you're always like looking at the next level, even though you started at, at a disadvantage. You know, we're gonna come to the entrepreneurship, which is a completely different step. But like, what, what was kind of pulling you forward that whole time?
1: Hmm. What was pulling me forward? I think it was just something I wanted to, I wanted to achieve something greater than myself. Uh, and I think that drive just to, to be something, I wanted to be something. Uh, make a name for myself some way, and be able to monetize that, and live a, a comfortable life, and be able to make money from it as well. But it was very hard to see at, at, at the early early onset because, like, I didn't have a very uh, stable home life. I moved out a couple times as a teenager, ended up back, move out, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so so what kept me going? Um, it's hard sometimes, like when I remember first moving out and I had to get a job in, in the private sector. Yeah. The first paycheck I got, I looked at it like, there's no way I'm going to get rich in my life by working. <laughs> working yeah. like that many hours. I was like, I just put in all my hours of my life just in these past two, three weeks and that's all I get. Yeah. Uh, so that was a big eye opener for me. And I think that was a driver in the back of my head. I was like, I am never going to get rich or wealthy working for a paycheck every day. Hmm. And I was like, I need to figure out something else. And so at first, I thought education would be the key um, because that will help me get the guidance and uh, skills I need to open up my own business and become a business owner because I think that's where the money was at. That's what I was thinking at the time. Yeah. So I was slowly building myself towards that point Okay. because I knew that working in the private industry, I was never going to you know, attain that level of wealth that I always had imagined that yeah. like myself as a kid. So...
0: Like, what do you think it was that made you imagine that? Because no, most kids don't, right? Like, no matter what background they come from, a lot of kids just don't get exposed to entrepreneurship as, I don't know, even a, a valid career path. Like, what gave you that picture in your head?
1: Hmm, that's a really good question uh, because it's just, I've asked myself this a lot, and I'm not sure where that influence came from because I did not see uh, that at home life whatsoever, yeah, obviously. yeah. Nobody was there, the only thing I picked up from home life was party and bars, and it's was like, okay, that that wasn't it, uh, so I'm not sure where that entrepreneurial drive yeah. comes from, really, it was just something I was born with it, or it was just something I, I picked up on as an early age, and that was the path to, to get you know, out of poverty and yeah. towards something better. Uh, it's hard to pinpoint, that's a really good question.
0: Well, thank goodness it did anyway. Yeah. But, um, let's talk about your first steps toward entrepreneurship then. So you've got
1: your degree, what comes next? Well, actually it started, I think, more when I was in university. When I was okay. actually still getting my degree. So the reason why I went to university was when I was in college, I was in the hospitality management program because at first I was thinking I'd like to open a hospitality type business. Okay. Restaurant. Bar hotel type resort, but after working in the industry for a few years and going to school for hospitality, I realized it's a tough business. It's a really tough business to make a go at it, and I also felt I didn't learn enough about the financial side of things in college. Mm. And I was like, I got an opportunity to go to university as an Indigenous person. Maybe I should look into that path now. And so what I did, and I was enrolled, and I, I was getting exposed to all these other other uh, businesses and um, things like consultants yeah I wasn't I didn't really know what a consultant was I heard about it before but as I was in the business program I was like wow people get paid for giving off their ideas <laughs> yeah that's right I was like I have plenty of ideas <laughs> to, to give away here so let's see if I can monetize that again not really knowing what I was doing I knew I could go online make a business card so I just started making a business card that said Stephen McCoy business consultant. Right on. And the only skills that I really had to promote the time were hospitality skills, okay. so customer service, uh, management, that type of thing. So that's what I put on there. Just a whole list of stuff. I put it on the back of the card. I just start passing out cards nice. and telling people, like, "Hey, I'm a consultant." And gave one to my uh, teacher, and she was actually the one who referred me to my first client. Was in university, so wow. she had someone coming to her that was looking for help. Uh, she owned a, a franchise chain of chicken, chicken. Um, chicken restaurants down the line and she just needed some help uh, composing some documents for her lawyers and she was a big tech savvy her husband had passed away recently and she'd taken over the business so she needed someone just a quick job and I was like okay I can help you with that no problem my teacher actually connected us because my teacher knew what I was trying to start and she had this girl this one side, so she made that connection for us so that was how I first Mm -hmm. started into Entrepreneurship really um, so great. That actually made me some money. You know? Yeah. I always had that entrepreneurial bug even as a kid. Like, I remember um, setting up my room with the toys I had and getting my mom and my stepdad to come in and buy them off me. So I always had this entrepreneurial kick to me. But that was like the first time I think i really uh, had a, an actual contract. That's when I look at my first time and my first real client that yeah. paid me. Um, yeah, and it's just been growing since
0: amazing so that that one little bright spot boom kind of launches the whole
1: thing yeah it really does sometimes people want to always wait so like oh i need to get more education or i need to have this kind of uh credentials before i can say i'm a consultant i didn't even have my bachelor's degree yet i was like i'm just gonna put it out there and it it worked well yeah i mean obviously you helped her
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay, well, tell us about Gen City, mm-hmm. and then we'll get back into the, the mission stuff. So, what do you do now?
1: Sure. So, I'm still in the same kind of thing communications, marketing that was my niche when I went to university. I uh, did the bachelor's of business program with a specialization in marketing. And I've always had a keen ability to, to spin and to write. And so, I, I think marketing really was uh, in my wheelhouse. So that's where I evolved to uh, when I started out, again, Stephen McCoy, business consultant, that slowly evolved over time. My services mm. that I offered once I graduated with more into business and marketing, and as I got more involved back with the indigenous community and uh, that's where I put in the indigenous side of it as well, started to help in more of my indigenous communities and business owners, on um, associations, which was great. And it started to build up my reputation, but I wanted to go bigger. Um, I wanted hmm. to go beyond working directly just with uh, entrepreneurs. I wanted to work with more First Nation communities, associations, larger organizations that didn't have a problem writing a check. Sure. So that's when I rebranded. And I was like, okay, i got to rebrand myself and just going under my single name, Stephen McCoy Consultant. Yeah. So I was trying to think of a name for a consulting company, you know, but all the cool names are already taken because everybody and their dog is a consultant <laughs> these days, right? Yeah. You know, Black Rock, Red Feather Consulting, all that kind of cool stuff, all those names are all taken. So what I looked at, I was like, I'm gonna have to come up with my own name, I think. Yeah. So I started a word exercise where I start putting all these words and phrases that I thought would relate to a consultant, like intelligent, insightful, um, genius, acidity, all these types of words right into this page. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at it after a while, and the part of of one word was popping out at me the beginning of it, and then the ending of another word was popping out at me off the page. And it was the beginning of genius and lucidity. And so I took the beginning of them and put Gen City together. Oh, cool. Yeah, so that's how the name came about. Got a logo, an indigenous lady at the time that I was working with as my graphic arts designer, she made my logo for me. Yeah, super cool. And uh, that's why I just put it out there and kind of switched it up again a little bit, refined my service offerings and made some more business cards, logos, brochures, changed my, my page around on my social media and got a website domain name and put it out there and it worked. I started attracting larger clients, wow. the ones I wanted. And now I'm at the point where I was like, okay, i got to scale up now. And so I'm at that next level of, of leveling up basically. So, so what you, what's the next step then? Uh, scaling and trying to get some employees on board cool Uh, so it's still right now a a one-man show yeah I work with contractors here to fill gaps and things like that but I really like to get into hiring a couple people full-time to really expand on the business it's awesome and that's what comes back to some of the issues though as being an indigenous entrepreneur like I said I'm a first-generation everything yeah so now that I've got to this level trying to scale up it can be difficult because again I'm on my own I'm trying to figure this out on my own Mm -hmm. using mentors and and things like that but everybody's got their own lives too yeah Um, and then hiring another consultant is like it's more money out of my pocket as well so uh, still learning how to, to scale up and get everything in place like you have to have your technical side in place as well in the background you have to have your payroll stuff set up uh, you have to make sure your business structure is set up properly all those types of things have to come together before you can yeah level up to the next level yeah man and then the pressure of having employees it's like okay now i have an employee i need to make sure i keep bringing contracts yeah. <laughs> Too it's one thing think. one thing when you work for uh-huh. yourself it's like oh you know, if I want to take a break this month and not yeah. and not grind as hard i can do that because i can you know i got a built up payroll and whatnot and or a bank and But when you have an employee and they're relying on that paycheck every two weeks that's another level of pressure put on you right yeah you got it man Mm -hmm.
0: well okay so that's awesome and i I am going to come back to like storytelling and marketing that you do through gen city but i really want to talk about the mission so um you know our mission part of it is just teach kids about the value of entrepreneurship but your uh last week you also shared like it's especially important for indigenous kids or underprivileged kids too Uh, because they don't see this as maybe a career path for them, right? Do you want to speak to that?
1: Right. So I think, uh, as well for Indigenous youth, uh, we face a lot of barriers, obviously, in life. Um, uh, Coming up, when I was in the business program at university, I noticed a distinct lack of other Indigenous students enrolled in the program. Mm. There was, I think, one other girl who was, I know, that was Indigenous in the program, and that was it. There was a lot of indigenous students though enrolled in the university uh see them everywhere i'll be, be with them at, at, in the indigenous lounge and whatnot and through my research and just asking questions and i actually started working at algoma after i graduated but mm. what i found out was a lot of indigenous students are gravitate towards the community development programs or the mm. uh psychological or sociology programs because they want to help their communities yeah so they think getting into the psychology uh, and sociology fields uh, where they can help you know the, the trauma that our people have gone through to help with that right and they kind of neglect business or business is almost like a taboo uh type okay. subject among indigenous people for you know historical reasons right uh, we've always seen the the best of our land is always in the quest of business so that's why there's a lot of stigma among indigenous people when it comes to business and and that's understandable. Yeah, But for me, I I saw it as a way to get out of poverty and not only that, to inject my own influence and my own values into the business realm. Uh, We have been uh, pushed outside and we have been neglected out of the markets for business for so many years. And just now we're starting to see that uh, we're being invited back into the circle. But we've always been entrepreneurs in our own right, before contact, we've always been traders on the markets. Um, I believe that we've traded with ourselves, indigenous people around the world before contact. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course you don't hear or see that kind of evidence in the history books, right? Right. Uh, so so I think it's important to, to model what I've been doing to, to show indigenous youth that, hey, the business isn't that bad of a, of, it's actually a pretty good field. And you can bring your values into it and yeah. and we can bring those indigenous values forward to the forefront to say, hey, Business needs to change. And you're seeing a lot of that nowadays. People are like, hey, maybe maybe it's just people were onto something uh, when it came to how we live so close with the lands. And we're always thinking about how can this be sustainable and how can I not damage the ecosystem that I'm working in? How can I work in good relations with other people and with the earth and with the resources that we're, we're working with, right? And you're seeing a lot more of indigenous values being um, influencing the business world now. yeah, Which is great and I think that we need to get more of our indigenous people um, involved in business and they need to come and challenge the status quo that's out there because with climate change and everything that's happening we can't be keep going through the same business cycle as we've seen it where it's just uh, how product comes, it's used and then it's wasted and thrown away. Uh, we have a throwaway economy right now that's uh, not good for for all of us right and so indigenous values we take that into consideration we're like no how can we work together in harmony with everything mm-hmm. the whole ecosystem um, these resources are there just to, for us to take we need to work with them and respect them right?
0: how do you think we can get more indigenous kids involved or even inspired to like pursue entrepreneurship
1: well storytelling like this right now is good mm-hmm. uh, the show examples of other successful indigenous people and what type of values they're bringing to the table in the business world. Mm -hmm. Uh, And getting into them when they're young. So getting into them at the schools, uh, having guest speakers come in, um, people maybe like myself or other successful indigenous business owners to come in and tell their stories. Cool. And and tell them what kind of struggles they've gone through, how they've uh, injected their indigenous values into their business and what kind of reception they're getting just to be that, that role model, that inspiration to the younger kids. So
0: Important. I mean, I don't know about you, but like what I find is there's, when a kid goes to see their guidance counselor at a high school, the career option that's never presented is, you should be an entrepreneur, right? It's like, you should be a lawyer, doctor, social worker, or whatever. Um, how do you think we could get that message into schools more? I mean, you said like guest speakers, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, are there other ways that we can influence kids too that may maybe not even through schools?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think maybe having um, actual after school programs mm. where they can get involved with the businesses, yeah. um, like a co-op yeah. type uh, programs, where they can come in and, and work work the systems and, and work within the processes and see how everything runs, then actually get a paycheck from it, and then put them in positions of power to, to empower them to say, hey, we have a problem here, can you take a look at it? Mm-hmm forward some solutions to us. Yeah. Actually getting youth involved with the process uh, to know that they can have an actual say, an actual um, sway over anything in the world, in the business world, so yeah. if you bring them into, it's one thing to bring a kid into a factory or whatnot or into your office to see the process, but to get them involved, to get them working hands-on, to pay them a paycheck, to make them feel like their, their input is valuable and to see that their actual Input is being uh, applied. Yeah, it is such a great feeling for a young youth person. Anybody really, but like yeah. a, a youth when you're so young to see that happen and get someone taken under your wing and to appreciate your uh, your input and your values. I think that would go a long way to to really help push more indigenous and underprivileged uh, kids into business. I think that's awesome. Like I had co-op in high school, but most kids don't do that now.
0: It saved my butt. I I realized that I hated. Uh, computer programming, which is what I thought I was going to be in it, so it saved me. But I think that's an amazing idea. Do you feel any pressure to be a role model for other indigenous kids now that you're successful at business?
1: Yes, yes. I, I think about it all the time now, especially at uh, you know, I'm getting a little older. I'm 41, I'll be 42 this year. Just a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I remember being younger, you know, in the, my teenagers' 20s and whatnot, and looking up to people who were my age and older saying, hey, what are those people doing to help out the youth? Mm-hmm. And now I'm in that position. And I'm like, okay, what am I doing now to give back to the youth and make sure that they're going to have something, not just for this generation, but the next generation and three, four, five, six, seven generations down the road? What can I do to help you know, the next up-and-comers that are coming up? Because you know, I've had my time to, to get to where I am. Yep. Um, now it's time to start giving back. In my mind, and I think that that's where I want to really help more of the youth, and be more inspiring for them to help them get involved in business.
0: Where you've always had a clear sense of like what the next step is, and you said that the next step for Gen City is you know scale up and hire some employees. Where do you think you're going to be ten years from now?
1: I wouldn't say the steps have been clear for me. (laughs) That's that's one thing. I might sound like I'm making it like I knew where I was going, but I really didn't oh. a lot of the times. Uh, a lot of the times I got serendipitously ended up in a situation and it worked out for the better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sorry, what was your question again? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? In 10 years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I see myself in a much larger business, Cool. Uh, hopefully to have a lot more employees under, under me. And I want to be more of an international, um, work more internationally okay. with more indigenous uh, uh, people that are from all across the globe. So I had some exposure last year uh, to Mexico. I was hired as a contractor to help uh, ind- indigenous kids or indigenous students here from Sioux College with some indigenous students from Mexico. Wow, cool. And they were part of a two-week uh, exchange program and I was their business mentor to help them because we were helping indigenous business owners in the Yucatan Peninsula. Wow. Yeah, so I was there for the two weeks. We did some workshops before and because all the indigenous students that were involved, they weren't in business really. And so they needed some business background. So that's, that's where I came in. So my exposure as well, being there um, in Mexico and going to some of the sites uh, and meeting with the actual indigenous business owners And meeting with the Mayan people and seeing their culture. Wow. And I've seen so many uh, similarities between the Mayan culture and the Ojibwe culture here specifically. Because if you know about indigenous cultures, they vary all across. Oh, yeah. Ojibwe's, Cree's, up through the West Coast, East Coast, they all have different artwork, different cultures, different beliefs. But the Mayan, especially their artwork, I found really mimicked a lot of our artwork in Ojibwe. So cool.
0: Thanks for listening to Business is Good. If you'd like to chat about this episode or the blog post or podcast that I put on the Business is Good site, just go to businessisgood.com and click join the movement. We'll see you there.